Hello and welcome to the Ed Surge On Air podcast. I'm Jeff Young. A college degree isn't the only path to meaningful work. In fact, these days there are more kinds of credentials than ever. Some of the new ones even have trademarked names like nano degree and micromasters. One leading force in reinventing the credential is the Lumina Foundation. It's one of the largest foundations focused on higher ed, and the group has an ambitious goal to increase the number of Americans with some kind of high-quality credential. But what counts as high-quality, and how can students and employers sort through all these new options? To get at those issues, I recently sat down with Courtney Brown, the Lumina Foundation's Vice President for Strategic Impact. She laid out the group's vision for the future of credentials and talked about what the cartoon The Jetsons says about the future of education and the workplace. We'll have that conversation right after this. This episode of the Ed Surge On Air podcast is brought to you by the Ed Surge Next newsletter. Get the latest news and views about higher education technology each week. Sign up for the Ed Surge Next newsletter. Just visit edsurge.com and click on subscribe. Hello and welcome back to our Ed Surge Live Thought Leader interview series. Um, we're joined this half hour by Courtney Brown, Vice President for Strategic Impact at the Lumina Foundation. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Thanks for having me. I wanted to talk uh, micro-credentials, which I know is something Lumina has been really involved in in supporting and, and, and thinking about. I, I, so I guess I wanted to start off with actually kind of a question about what the big idea behind that is. You know, why... Why look at credentials? Sorry, I said micro-credentials, but credentials of all kinds, really. Um, but, but new types of thinking about credentials in new ways. And, and, and what, why that? And what's the vision behind this? Great. Well, let me um, take us back a little bit to get to that question. Sure. To that answer. So Lumina Foundation is the largest foundation in the U.S. focused specifically on post-secondary education. That's anything beyond high school. And a number of years ago, we set a goal for the nation that by 2025, 60% of Americans will hold a high quality certificate degree or other high quality credential. Uh, up until a couple years ago, we only counted degrees because it was the only thing that we could count. Not that we don't think other things are not high quality credentials, but we have a data issue, so we could only count degrees. A couple years ago, uh, we added certificates. We found that there was a way to count uh, certificates through a nationally representative sample. So we added certificates. Uh, we want to count other credentials, and we'll get to micro-credentials in a minute, uh, because we do believe other credentials are high quality. And when we talk about high quality, a high quality credential has transparent learning outcomes that lead to further education and employment. And the reason we set this, this goal for the nation is that we believe we need better and more talent in the U.S. Uh, to have a better society or you know, compete economically, compete globally, whatever it may be. Currently, as a nation, we're at about 42% degrees. When we add certificates, we're roughly at about 47%. We're nowhere, ne we're nowhere near uh, where the nation needs to be with regards to uh, the talent. Uh, we estimate about 60%, 65% of jobs in 2025 will require some form of post-secondary education. So we hope to count certifications and licenses, apprenticeships, whatnot, as soon as we can have a nationally representative uh, sample to be able to count those. 
and so they meet our definition of high quality. We don't want to stand behind any credential that is going to uh, lead to a dead end for an individual. Mm. So they can't get a job. They can't uh, get further education from that. So we want to make sure these are high quality credentials. So everything we do is about supporting uh, education so that Americans have what they need to be able to have a good job and good lives in the future. And how do you tell um, the high quality ones, right? Because I think I see it somewhere that you guys talk about a GPS for credentials, right? Because there's with all these various options, especially when you start talking about certifications or certificates, right, right. how do you how do you sort through that? So we look, uh, we look big picture. We look more at the, the system level. And so degrees on average um, in the aggregate have a much higher um, outcome, about a million dollars uh, person over the course of a lifetime than without a degree. And so in the aggregate, they lead to jobs. Uh, when the recession hit, most people that had a degree did not lose their job or quickly found another job. It's those people that did not have a credential that suffered the most in, in a recession. And hmm. They, they couldn't get another job. They had nothing to go get further education with. And so those are the people that, that suffer the most. And so those in the aggregate degrees generally um, provide that. When we added certificates, we wanted a 20% premium over high school. So in the aggregate, certificates provide that. And certificates also lead to further education because most of them are provided at uh, a post-secondary, a two-year technical institution. And so they're, they're credit-bearing and then could lead to further education. Uh, certifications don't do that. They almost live in a black box mm -hmm. and other types mm -hmm. of, um, of credentials. And so until we can unpack that and make them more transparent so that the learner understands what they're getting, the employer understands, providers understand, uh, we want to make sure that those are high quality. So we're working to unpack that box a bit. And are you seeing, I think you guys, all, you're looking at tracking sort of credentials or, or the number of credentials people are getting going up or are, do, you, do you sense that there, there is movement in this area? or Because it seems like one of your goals is to have more people get credentials. Right. Um, so we count our goal as the first credential. Okay. So 60% is that, is that first credential. But the reality is the future of work, uh, which is a big topic these days, For the sure. future of work is demanding this lifelong learning. So it's no longer sufficient to learn from five years old until 21 uh -huh. and then have a job until 65 and then retire. The, the current, really not even the future work, the current state of work requires lifelong learning. So you don't end at 21, you may get a degree or certificate at, at age 20, and then at age 25, you need a, a certification on top of that. And then mm. maybe you go get it back and get a degree, or, or um, times are changing and you need a different type of certificate. So this is an ongoing process. And because of that, we're seeing a lot, a lot of people have almost like a deck of credentials, and they're trying to figure out the best way to use those credentials. And I, I imagine that in the future, we'll see much more of that, that, that learning will just be a continuous um, process, whether it's through a provider, an employer, a community service, something like that. Hmm. And so, um, you know, I know one of the things that you guys are, are sort of supporting with your grants and, and programs, several innovative uh, sort of ideas. And I know that some edX micromasters, I mentioned micro degrees earlier. Yeah. I, are one of those things like the idea of having these kind of um, not just the MOOCs, which you know people have talked about in a lot of our our interviews of the last couple of days of, of you know the the mixed results of just pure having some free online course, but moving beyond that and saying here's some credit of some kind for a short form um, online course um, that's low cost. And so is that something that you're looking to do more of as you guys expand your support for for programs? And do you see other things beyond what you're even supporting? Do you see micro-credentials growing? 
Uh, absolutely. It's absolutely something we are looking uh, and exploring. We have supported edX. Um, edX works globally. And we're trying to understand what the value of those credentials are. Uh, a lot of what, what edX and these micromasters, micro-credentials, are on top of a degree. So right. most people that get a micromasters have a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. Not everybody. There are some people that go and get a micromasters without a degree. Hmm. Uh, but they, they tend to be a top-off. Not a, not a beginning. We're trying to explore, could they be that first credential? Hmm. So could an adult get a micromasters as their first credential to give them that first rung on the ladder and then take that and build on it? Or maybe that's sufficient for what they need, hmm. but then they can still use that learning and apply it to other learning. So we're really trying to, to unpack that. One of um, my concerns about some of these uh, micro-credentials, if we can talk about concerns for a second, yeah. is... Uh, Many of them are, are for the elite already, the, the privileged. You know, I already have education and I'm in a privileged spot where I can learn this while I'm on the job or maybe my job will pay for it. Uh, they are not always accessible to those people that have no training and no education and, and have low resources to even pay for them. The education have nots. Right, yeah. right. And many of them can be expensive. And, and at Limina Foundation, we, at our core, uh, we are focused on an, an equity imperative to ensure that we are closing these racial, racial and ethnic gaps that, that exist. And so what we don't want to do is create a system that creates a, a larger gap. Now, I believe that, that some of these... Um, some of these systems are working to reduce those gaps and find ways to make sure that this is more accessible to all people and everybody has access. Uh, but it's definitely something that at Lumina we're working closely with. That's a tricky one, right, Bido? Because sometimes it's, it's some people question whether even the premise of these, you know, if someone is not already pretty uh, well-versed in you know, going to college, say, you know, have family members that went and understand the drill, um, are they going to be able to avail themselves of some of these online programs? You know, is it ever going to work for some of the education have-nots or the underserved populations? Right, right. So we want to make sure, I mean, there, there are some great delivery methods that, that can reach many different people. And, I, you know, today it seems like there's, there's something for everyone. We just want to make sure that everyone can access that. And so, you know, you mentioned MOOCs. Part of the problem was it was the same delivery method. It was kind of lecturing at people and people didn't have access to it. And, you know, it's free, but it really was not available to, to everybody. It I was see. those people that already had degrees and whatnot. So edX is, is working on that and trying to make, make education much more accessible to, to everyone across the globe. So do you, I guess, I guess the, you're saying there's that concern. I guess I'm curious about whether, you know, how does that, what will success look like? You're just going to kind of monitor how do these, these attempts go and see how that, you know, whether it can work for a broader audience than just the, the ones that you said that might you do fine anyway, no matter what the, the circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I, so at Lumina, we believe that all learning should count. Right. Everything you're learning, no matter where you learn it, you don't have to sit in a seat for, you know, 15 hours a week to, to get credit for that learning. And right. so I do believe with the future of work and the future of learning that these opportunities will exist in many other ways. And so we need to continue to explore what else is out there. Um, What we're talking about today may not exist even next week. Uh, There may be something new that's going to come out and kind of like shock the system. Mm. And we're, you know, absolutely open to that as long as it's high quality and it, 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 you know, it's focused on closing these equity gaps. So we don't want to uh, reinforce anything or support anything that is not, it's going to be low quality, that's not going to help the learner and the individual, and further reinforce gaps. It seems like an important piece of the puzzle for any of these new credentials is employers' acceptance. 
Absolutely. How do you, what are you seeing? Is there, is there a growing acceptance of some of these new ideas like micro-credentials or, um, or is that a continued challenge? I think it's a continued challenge. I think there's there's more understanding of them. Employers have a lot of their own training, and so they understand their training and um, they run their own pro- yeah training a- absolutely. For their employees, um, yeah. You know, one of the things that we also work on at Lumina is transparency. Mm. So we want to ensure that all credentials have transparency. That you can kind of open the hood, look under the hood, and understand what it is, what somebody knows and are able to do. That's important for the learner. That's important for the provider, and that's absolutely important for the employer. Um, no one should spend a lot of money getting a credential and not understand what it is and have an employer think it's meaningless. So absolutely un- working with employers to make sure that they uh, understand this and that they value it, and it is something they're going to need in the future. What they need right now is important too, but there's no reason to get a credential that somebody needs right now, but they're not gonna need it in a year or so. So we really kind of need to think, think in the future but also work closely with employers, with providers, with community members, uh, and with, with students and families. And one of, you know, another piece of the puzzle is obviously students and, and raising awareness. Um, we, you know, I, I was one of our earlier interviews, we talked with um, Dewal Shah, who, who kind of runs the Yelp of MOOCs, the Class Central yeah. directory, but even, you know, he's steeped in this world of, of sort of students trying out these online courses. And he admits that a lot of people don't know what these are. You know, you talk to somebody, you know, on his ride, uh, cab ride over, or you just chat with somebody you meet on the street, and they don't know what. They might not at all have any idea. There's a micro masters, or there's right. a, you know, MOOC, or they never heard of it. Yeah. How, how do you? Is that you know? Is that something you all are working to address, or, or how do you? What what is that piece of the puzzle for you? Yeah, I, I, it's a really good point. I I think one of the. Uh, biggest things we need to to get over is that when most people think about college or a credential, they think about going somewhere for four years and it's brick buildings and that's the only way you can get get something beyond high school. Right. And that's not the reality anymore. Very few students actually live on campus for four years in a brick building. Many more students are married, they have children. Mm-hmm. Way too many students are below the poverty line and they come from all sorts of race ethnicities and they're all ages and types and they're attending part-time and full-time and they're employed. And So today's students don't represent at all who we all have in mind when we think about um, somebody getting a credential, a post, post-high school credential. And so increasing awareness for all of us that you know there are these range of possibilities that you can get a degree online you can get a degree um, that it's both in residence where you're somewhere going you know sitting in a classroom but also when you can do it online or you could learn part of that on the job so how do you combine all of these different competencies and show somebody i have all these competencies and these together can become sort of some sort of credential and so it's really opening up what what is getting a credential these days? What should that mean? And, and having people embrace that more. And I think as you know, the future of work continues to, to change, um, then the future of how you're going to be able to obtain competencies and then demonstrate the competencies is going to change tremendously. It will no longer be in a seat uh, for hours at a time listening to somebody speak to you. Yeah. It seems like there's a way in which um, you know this idea of lifelong learning and, and keeping up with your skill set and being in dynamic jobs of the future. You know, there, you could you could sit there and think, oh, that's exciting, or you could also sit there and think, wow, that's going to put a lot more onus on you know employees, you know, and therefore like all of us that have jobs right. to to kind of uh, you know who who pays is is really one of the questions. I mean, even if it's low cost, 
are you seeing changes in, in, you know, are you seeing a reduction in the amount employers are willing to help invest in some of these um, projects? Or what are the trends there as far as workplace being willing to help pay for some of these continuing education? Because it seems like it's going to be on, fall on someone, right, if you have more education throughout your life. Right. Uh, great question. So I, I think there are a couple things. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, employers are trying to cut costs, and, and they may not think that training is important. And so that may be something that, that gets on the you know chopping block. Mm. But we actually ran a few ROI studies with a number of different large employers a couple of years ago and found that those employers that offered training found that their employees uh, retained longer, they had less sick time, they were much more productive. Hmm. And so by providing training, it actually increased. Um, so they actually saw a, a return on investment for their training, which was very positive for believe all of the all of the um, employees employers that we worked with so I think that's important I also think that training doesn't have to be some really formalized training where we all sit down and we go we're training right now for the Mm -hmm. next three hours and then we're going to be done training I think we're all learning things on the job Um, you know however long you've been on a job for a year six years or what whatnot it's constantly changing so you know I mean Excel is not what it was six years ago and Mm -hmm. so I'm learning different things on Excel I'm not sitting down going I'm going to learn this now I'm just gaining those competencies as I, as I use them. And so I, I don't think the lifelong learning has to be so formal where we're really sitting down and doing it. But I think we're gonna have a mix of some of that, that we're just learning these things and gaining these competencies, whether we're aware of it or not. And then there are gonna be some things where we have to say, I, there's a competency I really need to gain to stay in my current job, to be current, or to get that next job. Uh, and so there is going to be need to be some things where I'm actually thinking about it and how am I going to gain those competencies. I also think that the market is opening up a lot more, and so these things are, are more accessible. So it doesn't necessarily necessarily have to be a high cost. Hmm. Have you taken any of these yourself? I wonder. I mean, I have. it sounds like you're teaching yourself Excel. That's good. Yeah. Uh, we should all do more of that. Right. I know PowerPoint, I should. PowerPoint, yeah. uh, all of those things that I have to work in all the time. Um, I have not. I, I'm really interested <laughs> in doing it. I, a few people at Lumina have, have attempted it or to do some of these boot camps. We hear about boot camps yes, all the time. Yes, sure. Um, and that's, that's along this same, same vein. Now, boot camps can be really expensive, and most people that go to a boot yeah. camp have a credential already. Yes. Uh, but they're really um, they're great. Uh, people want, you know, want people that have these skills that they learn at boot camps. But, you know, how long do we need boot camp? So it may be the shiny object right now, and in a couple of years it'll be some, something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's kind of hard to guess what is it going to be? What kind of training are we going to need? And I think just um, staying current and understanding it's okay. And, you know, when you talked about lifelong learning, I think even, even the vision that we have of lifelong learning that I think about is, you know, my mom went to the, you know, college and she was in the continuing ed class because she took a class in French because she was going to go visit France for right. a, a, a vacation. Real, just curiosity, like reading a right. book club book or something. Right, sure. and, and, and that's great. Sure. And that should yeah. absolutely be, you know, we should be learning those things. But I also think that that that's not what this is. Right. This is actually learning skills that you can apply on the job, not just for a vacation. I mean, for hobby is great too, but... <laughs> But You're really pro-vacation, but, but this is a different issue. Okay. Absolutely. Um, and so looking at it as, as just something normal that I think is just going to be, begin to be in our DNA, that we're constantly learning and acquiring these things. Well, we're almost out of time. And if anybody has a final question, please, this is the time to chime in. Um, but I was curious about the policy framework um, and, you know, the, uh, sort of the policy environment we're in. You know, um, it's, it's, 
I think, hard to tell these days. But do you see any changes in Washington in this new, the Trump administration or the latest department? Are there, cha- are there you know, feeling like there's more support, less support for the kind of uh, things like, you know, there was the Equip program that was supporting some of these unusual um, innovative programs to help them apply for financial aid. I guess that's still going. But are you seeing any interest in, in this area or changes in, in the current administration? Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, we work at the local level, state level, sure. national level. And so we see a lot more interest in all kinds of credentials. Uh, apprenticeships become, you know, they come up quite a bit these days. But apprenticeships are built on all of these these smaller credentials on certificates and certifications and licenses that are all Mm. part of an apprenticeship. And so there's absolutely much more interest in these. Many states, we have 41 states in the U.S. that have an attainment goal right now. Hmm. Um, It doesn't have to be the 60% by 2025 like Lumina's, but they also include certifications. Many of these states include certifications and certificates in their goals. Uh, States and and actually the country and, and local communities recognize that their labor markets demand these type of credentials. And so they're putting more resources in those, uh, more opportunities for their their residents and their populations to obtain these types of credentials so that they can pull in more employees um, uh, and then they can make sure that they have the labor market that these employees need. Is there, um, in our last couple of minutes, do you have any, is there anything you've seen at this event or something interesting, you just sort of new and different, you're excited about it. It doesn't even have to be credentials, but any, (laughs) or future. Yeah, you know, I think that um, this is absolutely a big topic right now. The future work is a big topic. The different types of credentials are a big topic. And what's exciting is that people are looking for new innovations on how to better deliver education. Uh Uh, It's great to see that education doesn't have to be delivered in a classroom through a lecture. Um, You know, back to the, the question about support, there are many different technologies that are being developed right now where we can talk online across countries and and learn from each other, Uh, whether we're in a class together or something else where we're working on a project together. And that could be through our employer. It could be through an educational provider and whatnot. And there's so many people at this at this conference that are really focused on what does that learning look like and how can we we can change it. It's interesting. Um, last night, the last speaker was talking about you know how far we've come. Mm. And the, one of the thing that's, things that stuck out in my mind was he put up a clip from the Jetsons. And on um, this cartoon from the early, late 60s, for many of you that have no idea what I'm talking about when I talk about the Jetsons. Um, they but, can YouTube it. Yeah. <laughs> right, YouTube the Jetsons. And they predicted so many different things, you know, robots and um, drones. Oh, and, work you know, looked a little boring, but okay, yeah, they had right. to push in the button and it was work. Right, but the thing that, that still looked the same was education. Ah, so yeah. Leroy and J- Judy, whoever the children were, still went to a school that looked like, you know, it was in the future, but it was still a brick building um, that the, the children went to. And, and so it's interesting that we didn't think education was going to change. And now we're realizing it has to change, that uh-huh. sitting in a brick building is no longer the best way for most people to learn. Um, we have to be much more diverse. And it's, it's great to see so many people here at ASUGSV really taking on that challenge and trying to figure out, you know, how can we better deliver education to many, many more. That's a great image to close on. Maybe we'll fly in pneumatic tubes to get to our new right. classrooms in the future. Thank you so much, Courtney, <laughs> for joining you. us today. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> this has been the It's Your John Air podcast.
Uh, if you listen to podcasts much, you've probably heard hosts like me say, uh, encourage you to rate the show on, on iTunes or, or Stitcher or wherever you listen. Uh, and I'm going to do that. We, <laughs> please, please do that if you haven't. Um, and I hope you're subscribing to the show to, to make sure you catch all the new episodes. This installment was edited and produced by me, Jeff Young. We'll be back next week with more conversations about the future of education. Thanks for listening.